The action, the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to this beautiful Monday afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation. My coffee is hot and so are the topics. So let's get down to it. This uh, Again, this beautiful Monday afternoon. Starting to heat up a little bit. Nice, uh, nice breeze out there and puts me in the mood to address a lot of these issues we need to talk about today as we wrestle them down here from each other. We're live and local, want to make sure that we hear your voice as we examine these issues that directly affect you and I right here in the California's Central Valley. A couple things we'll be looking at today, gas prices and a new wrinkle in the proposed gas tax rebate. Well, you knew it wouldn't apply to everyone, right? Well, we'll have an update on that today. And uh, before the hour ends, uh, we'll get to uh, the hearings going on in Washington, D.C. today. Uh, the Senate hearings for Supreme Court nominee Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson. Uh, she appeared before the Senate today. This is day one of four days of hearings. We'll hear uh, two or three things from her and uh, also from Senator Ted Cruz, as uh, he says, we're, and these are my words, not going to have a circus like we had with uh, Neil Gorsuch and Amy Comey uh, Barrett. So uh, lots, to, lots to talk about. Before we get there, by the way, this, uh, this just came in a few minutes ago. Apparently, Assemblyman Kevin Kiley in Sacramento is introducing a bill to repeal California's sanctuary state law. Uh, I'm sure the majority won't go for that, but uh, anyway, Kevin Kiley's saying no more, and uh, this is in response, they say, to uh, the story that we covered last week. That's the the man that uh, killed, uh, shot and killed his three daughters, and the man that was chaperone, uh, chaperoning them at a church up in Sacramento a few weeks ago. And uh, so we'll see what happens with that. I I applaud Mr. Kiley for making the effort. I doubt that the uh, majority of the politicians up in Sacramento would go for that, however. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's happening. And then uh, very, very quickly... You know, some of you have uh, a, 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 an interesting sense of humor, and it, it brings uh, a lot of uh, light and mirth into my life when I hear from some of you. Uh, here's one of our listeners, and he, he was writing in uh, as a follow-up to the story that we talked about last week regarding Leah Thomas. This is the biological male uh, now wanting to be a female. He's uh, winning swimming events, beating, and what is he, six four, six foot four? He dwarfs the basically the women that he's competing against in, in swimming competitions. Anyway, we carried that story last week, and uh, one, one of our listeners wrote in, and he says, I think any biological male should be able to compete as a female in sports the day after they deliver their full-term baby after they have carried that baby nine months, not not just be in the delivery room, but actually deliver the baby. If they want the benefits, they must endure all the pain of labor and delivery. That's very creative. Of course, 
as uh, is it probable, I you know, it's unlikely that a lot of those women he's competing against have delivered babies yet either. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I would I would imagine the the majority have not. However, it's very creative, very humorous, and uh, thank you uh, thank you for that. And uh, you know who you are. Uh, just uh, to introduce a topic we'll be talking about at the at the top of the show here. Have you looked at gas prices today or the past seventy two hours over the weekend? According to the AAA, the California average today is five dollars and eighty well six cents five point eight five five. That's the California average. Now, if you're in Mono County, you're really you're really experiencing the blessing of public policy and the blessing of no drilling for oil, the blessing of shutting down things like the X, uh, the X Keystone XL pipeline. You're experiencing that the best of any county in, in uh, California. If you're in Mono County, your prices are hitting 6.479, almost $6.48 in Mono County. In Stanislaus County, where our... Uh, clandestine studios are located, uh, let's see, what's our average here? 5.619. Uh, San Joaquin County, uh, just a bit higher, 5.692. And Merced County, you're in that ballpark as well, 5.689. Does that make you happy? I'm not happy at all when I go to the gas station. And I, f- I, I really feel... For the people who are working behind the counter, now I know most of it's automated, but uh, these days I'm I'm paying cash if I can because usually uh, cash uh, gets you a little bit of a, a lower rate than a, a debit card or a credit card. I just feel bad for for some of that. I'm sure they're enduring a lot of flack from people, and it's not not their fault. But you know, it's one of those things where they they represent what's uh, aggravating people, and of course, I I don't I I believe the oil companies have a hand in this in terms of the pricing, obviously, but it's being driven up by public policy. It is being driven up by the refusal of the Biden administration and in Sacramento in 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 Washington DC and by the Newsom administration here in Sacramento uh, to not allow drilling for oil on federal lands and I know there's a lot of spin attached to that but remember before Joe Biden stepped into the White House we were energy independent now or now we are energy dependent. In fact, we're having to beg for oil from countries that don't like us, would like to see us go away. And uh, countries, in fact, that uh, w- would love to conquer us. And Russia, of course, we were uh, have been buying oil from. And oil and gas, if you remember, so many things are made from oil and gas. Uh, they, they estimate over 6,000 products made from oil. So it's not about 
what's in your gas tank or your fuel tank. It's also about other things that you and I use on a regular basis that we don't think about as being attached to being made from oil and gas. Eyeglasses, fan belts, let's see, what fertilizer. It's going to make a comment. I'm not going to go there with a fertilizer. Uh, let's see, what pajamas, parachutes. Well, those are important if you're jumping out of an airplane. Pharmaceuticals. Uh, plastic toys, uh, propane purses, let's see, what else? Uh, roofing, rubber cement, safety glasses, telephones, toolboxes, tool racks, toothbrushes, and toothpaste, transparent tape, trash bags, tubing, umbrellas, upholstery, vitamin capsules, wind turbine blades are made from... Uh, gas and oil, and, and 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 yarn as well. So it goes on and on. So we'll talk about uh, what's happening up in Sacramento right now with this proposal to give us a tax rebate. Uh, let's uh, turn our thoughts and attention very quickly to uh, what's happening in real estate right now. The, the market is hot. Prices are rising. Inventory is low. Interest rates uncertain. So selling your home now may be the right move to maximize your equity. But maybe you're worried about costly repairs needed to sell your home. I look at mine and I'm thinking, what would it take to repair it to make it sellable? Well, if you're uh, concerned about these things, call the agent I trust and recommend. His name is Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or he'll sell it for free. Dan's program, it's designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. No required costly repairs, no long-term contracts, and you pick your move date. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. How about that? He helped Josh and Crystal from Stockton, by the way, sell for $80,000 over instant offer investors with a minimum amount of improvement. So call Dan Phipps. Dan's the man I recommend and the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. Call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378. Or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three P's, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S dot com. And we'll be back in three minutes to talk about the gas rebate. Coming up here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we get this week started on this beautiful Monday afternoon here in California's Central Valley. Let's uh, let's talk about this. Remember the story we talked about last week, the, the gas rebate? Uh, the uh, the gas tax rebate, rather the the uh, original proposal that they were thinking about was 
uh, $400 back in the pockets of Californians who pay taxes in order to compensate for the 51 cent per gallon gas tax, which is, if not the highest, one of the highest uh, in, uh, in the United States of America. Well, things have taken another turn, which I think a lot of us had anticipated. Here's my question to you, and, and we'll explore this. Do you think both the rich and the poor in California deserve gas tax rebates? Both the rich and the poor and everyone in between. Do you think both the rich and the poor deserve gas tax rebates if they're going to do this? Our number 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. So here's the background as you get ready to discuss that. Senate President Pro Tem Tony Atkins and Assembly Speaker Anthony Reardon, uh, not too excited about the $400 for all taxpayers, uh, not too excited about Governor Newsom's initial proposal for a gas tax holiday. No, uh, they, uh, they have a, a new approach, a proposal from uh, their budget chiefs would send $200 per person to Californians, both taxpayers and their dependents, as a means of compensating for the $0.51 per gallon gas tax. So that means if you're a single person, you'd get $200. If you have a family of four, well, four times $200, uh, you'd get $800. Enough to fill up, uh, well, vehicle a couple of times, but, but wait for it. It won't be for everyone. According to Senate President Pro Tem Tony Atkins and Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon. Nope, nope, not for everyone. So this approach would cap eligibility at $250,000 in household income. Now that means combined income under that roof. So uh, a representative from uh, Rendon, Speaker, uh, Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon, said that the proposal embodies the Speaker's determination to target to help, quote, Californians most in need. And Senate Senate President Pro Tem Tony Atkins also sent a comment out Uh, sent a statement saying that the idea would, quote, ensure that the money is actually getting into the hands of Californians who need it. All right. How do we, how, how do they arrive at who needs it? How do they arrive at who needs it? You think of, uh, maybe a business owner that, uh, Maybe pulling in two hundred fifty, <coughs> excuse me, two hundred fifty thousand a year. That business owner is responsible for insurances and a lot of expenses, and if transportation is part of the formula there, either in terms of delivering product or delivering services, what do we have? A lot of expense. 
So is it fair for that business owner, because they're making 250000 is it fair for them not to receive this kind of rebate? Should it apply across the board? What do you think? And again, I, I, I'm not sure why I understand what the definition is between those who are eligible, those who, what, what's magic about $250,000 in household income? Those who make 250, uh, if the principle is to return to Californians a rebate for the gas taxes, the high gas taxes they are paying, if that's the rationale, then don't you think it should apply to everyone? Or do you think it only should be for those who are not classified as wealthy? That the wealthy folks defined as $250,000 in household income a year, and again, that can be combined income, they don't deserve the gas tax rebate. Do you think that's fair? Now, I know, I know. You say, well, well, Mike, you, you told your children growing up, life's not fair. Well, that's true. That is true. Life's not fair. I think maybe what we're dealing with here are issues of what is just. Justice. Do you think it's just to, if you're going to provide a rebate, I mean, don't don't the wealthy folks, what they define as wealthy, don't, don't they have to uh, pay those taxes as well? And if the point is to, uh, uh, to give them a rebate to soften the blow of that, why wouldn't they qualify? You see, this, is, this, this to me is part of social engineering. It, 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 we, we, no longer, we no longer apply the law. We no longer apply the rules. We don't apply them equitably. We don't. We don't apply them justly. We, we make up rules to fit our narratives. And so I'm, uh, I'm not uh, real thrilled. I don't make $250,000 a year. Uh, but I, for, for those that do, I, I think they deserve a tax rebate along with everyone else. What do you think? Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. And re, again, I, I think the point is if it's a rebate and the point is to help people uh, escape from the sting of that, it ought to apply across the board. Uh, let's see what you think. Let's uh, let's go to Manteca and Augustine. Augustine, what are your thoughts on this? My thought on that is that um, if they're going to do a rebate, it should be for everybody, okay? But the best thing to do is to roll back the tax thing so we don't have to pay it. Because, you know, like myself, $200 are going to last me one week because I use my vehicle to work. And that's no no rebate. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we, we got a whole bunch of idiots out there in uh, Sacramento that you actually get a real job so they, they know what's going on. So, Augustine, what just out of curiosity, what what is it, and, and just give me a ballpark figure, what does it cost you per week 
to uh, fuel up your vehicle? Let me put it this way. Before uh, Biden took over, I was paying about two eighty nine for diesel. Now I'm paying five sixty nine for diesel a gallon. Wow. Twice Unreal. as much. Real. Unbelievable. Well, I, I agree with you, Augustine. Yeah. I, I think it needs to, well, number one, I think it needs to apply across the board, but I like your point. How about they just reduce the taxes and and let's keep the money on the front end? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, that's what I meant. They should just do away with tax. Uh, the last, uh, what do you call it, uh, increase in taxes for gas, you know, the last one they did, just roll that thing back and not do it. That yeah. would be a lot better. Absolutely. Augustine, I'm with you on that. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, We'll continue our conversation about this. Uh, For those of you holding on the phone, don't go away. We'll continue our conversation about the fairness or unjust aspects of this alleged tax rebate, this proposed tax rebate for gas tax, not applying to people that politicians define as wealthy. We'll continue the question 209-551-3483 in five minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now back to the Mike Douglas Show. On Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. Thanks so much for for joining us. And I so much appreciate this uh, two hours I have with you Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. here on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. Talking about uh, the new wrinkle in the proposal for a gas tax rebate headed to Californians. The new proposal is that uh, folks would get $200 for the uh, taxpayer and their dependents. Uh, So if you have a a family of four, you'd get uh, $800. However, however, there is a caveat there, and if you make... Uh, household income, if you make more than $250,000, you don't qualify. And my question to you is, should both the rich and the poor in California deserve gas tax, re- uh, gas tax rebates? 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Let's go back to the phones and to uh, John from Brentwood. John, what do you think about this proposal? Well, yes, of course, everybody should get the rebate. Everybody pays the higher gas tax. It doesn't matter how much you make it. You're still paying paying more money. And I think when our socialist governor threw this out there, if you remember, the Republicans, I think, were first, and they came out with a suspend the gas tax until prices go back down, and that was quickly nixed. And then, like, three days later, Newsom came out with this idea of a $400 rebate to make up for And, of course, it's an election year. So I think he threw that out there knowing that his fellow Democrats in the legislature were going to tweak it and and get it back to where he probably wants it to be anyway. And that way he could take credit for, oh, I try, you know, I, I, wanted, I put that thing forward. And then it was you know, the, the government, the government went through it and came up with the, their plan of how to use it. And I think that's where that goes. 
And I think it should go just to taxpayers, not to people in the family. I said, if you're a taxpayer, you get a rebate. If you're not a taxpayer, you don't get a rebate. And everybody should get it. Why should somebody that makes 300000 a year and spends all that money on fuel not get a rebate, but, but somebody who may not even be working or, you know, working minimally and on government assistance with eight kids get like $1,000? To me, the whole thing is just idiotic. John, well put, uh, well thought out. I like your logic there uh, very much. And uh, again, I we'll see what uh, what the new iteration. I'm sure there's going to be new iterations of this. But uh, John, I I agree with you 100. percent Thanks for your call. Appreciate that very much. Our number here two zero nine five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. And uh, I had some thoughts about this, but it looks like our our friend Kevin from Modesto <clears throat> may have some of those same thoughts as well. Kevin, uh, what's your thinking about this at the moment? Yeah, I have to Mike, good to talk to you again. Well, I think that it's it's a matter of what they're doing is they are scapegoating uh, people. Again, it's more of the class warfare type situation going on here. Uh, scapegoating people by, in this case, uh, income, but also it's part of that same pattern of scapegoating people by race, by gender, by sexuality, uh, or by whatever other factor you, you want to use. Uh, it, it's just a matter of, of saying it's us against them and, uh, uh, they're different than us, and therefore they're the cause of the problem. You know, it's it's those people over there. Uh, they're the cause of the problem, so we're not going to count those people over there because if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have this problem. Uh, I, it's just part of that same old pattern, uh, and um, it, it, it's it's just it, it's it's inexcusable. And uh, you know. Uh, interesting that uh, the, the state legislators, the 250, that's just over what they make. You know, that, that's interesting. That's just a little bit over what they make. So they made sure that they're eligible for it because, uh, you know, they didn't make it 240. They didn't make it 238. They made it 250. And that's just right over what they make in their annual annual salary. So that they're, they're eligible for it. Um, but, you know, the point I wanted to make is that not everybody who makes 250 is rich besides people who make 250 are not rich today right. yes they're not I mean that's still middle class that's middle class so uh, 250 is, is still middle class it's not it's not rich so they're targeting people who are in middle class now and that's the class that they always say that they want to protect and now they are targeting middle class people because uh, 250 is not rich, but politically, that gets them a lot of brownie points. So we went after the people who make 250 or more, because most people don't make that. So now that that gets us more votes, that gets us more political brownie points. That's what this is all about. Yeah, Kevin. They, they uh, are, 
Kevin, you you read my mind on on part of that. Thank you. And and I didn't think of the of your observation about the fact that uh, they would have included themselves in qualifying for the rebate. Kevin, great uh, great call. Thanks for your uh, for your good thinking on that and and for articulating it very well. Kevin from Modesto, some great points there. Uh, our number two zero nine five five one. 3483 talking about the gas tax rebate is it fair the way they want to just give it to folks uh who make uh less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year and uh, we'll find out uh, your thoughts on that let's go up the road a piece to uh, lodi ed what do you think about this new wrinkle in this gas tax rebate <clears throat> well i think a lot of things uh uh, by the way, good afternoon. Uh, I just uh, I, I have a hard time even calling it a rebate. It seems like it's just another. Um, I mean, why why is it a rebate if it goes to everybody? It has nothing to do with gas. It's just here. Here's two hundred bucks, and um, you know it, it, you know, that would that would include people that don't drive or drive electric cars that aren't even spending money on gas. Um, at least that's how I'm hearing it right now and um i mean I, I i don't know if that's if that's incorrect or not but that's that's what i i'm hearing and i think this is a really cheap buy-off of the california people um you know it, it if you really want to make stuff like this fair that original uh, uh you know idea of cutting or at least reducing the the tax is the most fair because it affects only the people that are using gas and they're the ones that have to deal with this and nobody else has to deal with that kids aren't dealing with that that just their parents are or whatever uh i i think this is farcical and it's not even that great of an amount um if if you want to go down that direction i personally think um if you want to be and you you talked about equitable if you want to be equitable it has to be for everybody who goes to the pump and um I just don't. I don't think equitable's in their vocabulary. They use the word, but I they or they use the word equity. But you know, I don't think they they think in terms of that. Uh, call before me sort of talked about uh, you know the separating people, and I think again this kind of does that. Um, I I just I don't think there should be means testing at all, and yet that's California. That seems to be what we do. And our answer always is, you know, let's not let's not look at what causes the problem and maybe try to reduce that. No, let's let's go afterwards, and then we're going to come a, a one size fits all thing, and we're going to be generous. And who are they being generous with? But they're using our money to be generous, I suppose. Um, and why is it a rebate? Why does it have to happen later? The problem is now. Yes. And you know, they 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 need to deal with it now. I think this is a very inappropriate. Um, thing and they're and they're trying to look magnanimous and to me, that's not what they look like. Yeah, and I'm uh, very disappointed in them. Absolutely, and I, I think Ed, it probably has a lot to do with uh, November 2022 coming up. Uh, Ed, really like your comment about the root causes and and let's deal with that. Thanks, Ed. Uh, great thoughts uh, from you. Our phone number here two zero nine five five one. 3483 as we continue the conversation about the gas so-called gas tax rebate let's go uh let's go down the road a piece to uh turlock uh jeff uh, what are your thoughts about this proposal 
Hi, Mike. How you doing? Uh, well, my thoughts were just voiced on your uh, last caller there. He stole all of my thunder. Um, I totally agree with him 100%, and that's exactly what I was going to say. There's a lot of people that will be getting this that don't utilize gas. Um, so it's just, to me, it seems like it's just a, uh, a quick payoff prior to the elections. You know, look at how great we are. We're giving you money. Absolutely. Yeah, Jeff, and I, I think uh, some of the themes that we've been hearing uh, from you and other callers today uh, r- really hit this issue of how they're using these types of uh, proposals to divide us, uh, class warfare. And any time that you see class warfare emanating from proposals and public policy, that that normally points toward uh, orientations towards socialism and Marxism. I mean, that that's one of the uh, parts of Marxism is to divide and that way conquer, uh, you know, to set classes against each other. And uh, I agree with you 100%, Jeff. It just uh, doesn't make any sense to me. And, and uh, I agree with you and others. Let's deal with the root causes. And how about we how about we have a reasonable tax on it and we get back to allowing uh, safe and productive drilling for oil here in California and become energy uh, independent again? Jeff, great call. Thank you very much. And uh, let's go very quickly uh, to our phones, 209-551-3483. Looking forward uh, to this call because uh, Kurt from Modesto is a business owner. Kurt, I'd love to get your take on this. My turn. Hi there. Hi. My name is Kirk from Modesto, California. I'm a small business owner. Uh, my, I have a couple of questions. What about the guy that owns a small business and he has delivery vehicles and he, you know, spends a thousand dollars a month? I don't see the equality or the guy that buys ten thousand gallons of fuel ought to get more than the guy that buys two hundred gallons of fuel. It needs to be at the pump. There's no way there's going to be equality to it. And the other thing. Whatever happened to they were going to give us back, they had an excess of money and they had to constitutionally give it back to us. What happened to that money? Yeah, good, good point. Yes, uh, very, very good point. Yeah, and, I know. And they're, uh, I would say they're not so judicious on, on how they're giving that back to us. Kurt, just out of uh, curiosity as a business owner, and here's a general yeah. question for you. How do you stay in business in this state? It's tough. It's getting harder and harder and harder. I would never start a new one mm. if I had the opportunity to. California is so over-restricted, and it's just my overhead's ridiculous, and most of it's laws and environmental things and you name it. So yeah. it, it's tough. It's really tough. And this fuel thing doesn't make it any better. But like I said, I don't see any equality unless they make it at the pump. Guy with, like you said, one of your previous guys, somebody who's got eight kids, they get a whole lot more than the single guy that drives a truck all day and, and he spends, you know, he buys that 500 gallons a week or something. Kurt, thanks. Uh, thanks for your comments. I and uh, yeah. I, I appreciate You're your perspective well. yeah. as a business owner. That's very important to me. And uh, I'm not a business yeah. owner, I'm a CEO of a nonprofit. So we have, you know, some some different responsibilities there, but it's still, you know, even as a, even as a nonprofit, if you're using fuel, you should get some kind of rebate. Anybody uses fuel should. Well, uh, that's right. And, and I think of many of our volunteers, 
Uh, they're they're paying their own freight out there. They're donating their time. They're filling up their yeah. gas tanks to go help people. And what it's doing uh-huh. is it's giving people some second thoughts. Well, I don't know if I want to make that trip and deliver, you know, couches and refrigerators Absolutely. and such to people in need because I don't know that I can afford the, the fuel. So it has that, that uh, domino effect. Business, yeah. Uh-huh. I said, as far as the retail business, it all ends up in the customer's book. Anyway, he's going to pay yep. for it. Right. It's all going to boil down to the end user. And if he's paying for it when he gets his car fixed, it's like, well, he didn't get a rebate for that. Absolutely. Hey, Kurt. Thanks for the call. Really yeah. appreciate it. And uh, really. My first call. Thank you. Oh, well, good. Thank you very much. Uh, and very much appreciate those of you who are business owners when you weigh in. Uh, because I I am just worried about the business climate in, in California. Again, I'm in a little different situation as a nonprofit president and and CEO, but we still are hit by many of the uh, demands of California that we have to meet that use up ministry dollars for stuff that that the state demands, but really doesn't help the the folks in the in the streets that that need the money. And and so I I don't know I I'm as as I look at the future of California economically, I I wish I was more uh, glass half full about that. Normally, that's the way I am, but. Uh, if, if if the policies continue out of Sacramento the, the way they are, really demonizing business and demonizing the wealthy, I think we're cutting our own throat. We'll talk more about that coming up in three minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV, talking about the uh, proposed uh, gas tax relief rebate to Californians. And with that, I just got a notice on this. Apparently, somebody has started a clock. Uh, that started when Governor Newsom announced that he was going to give some tax relief to California. They've got a clock going. It's been 12 days, 19 hours, uh, 55 seconds now since they promised a tax uh, relief regarding uh, the uh, the gas tax, and we're not seeing anything yet. Let's go back to the phones, 209-551-3483, and our good friend Ed Parco standing by. Ed, uh, I'm sure you've got a, a bazillion ways to look at this. What, what's your assessment of this proposal? Well, first I want to get on, I'm sitting at my computer, I get an email from Josh Harder's office that says, hey, what do you think about daylight savings? Should we keep it, yes or no? I don't think he really cares about the real issues that are going on right now, like with the gas tax. I mean, do we really care about daylight savings? I know it's an issue, but it's not the issue that we're having. Smoke and mirrors. issue is every time we go to the gas. I'm sorry? Smoke and mirrors. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um but the thing is, as much as I want it fixed and I want a rebate, 
I really want the pain until the end, until November because the only way we're going to make a difference is that if we have pain and we actually go to the polls and actually make a difference by voting. So, Ed, that's uh, that's an astute observation. Uh, and again, I, I believe that the root of this is t- to try to do something to mollify their uh, their constituents before November 2022. Uh, but I, I like your your thought there that maybe we maybe it we would be good to extend this pain for a while so that people it's fresh in their minds uh, by November. And uh, I I don't know it 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 just seems to me that these types of proposals are just evidence of the fact they really don't care about us in Sacramento. What they care about are their political futures. And uh, what we really need is really not on the radar screens. I don't think. What about you? I totally agree, Mike, that all they, they don't care. They don't care about the normal, the average person in California. I mean, that 250,000, you know, if you make more than that, that's middle class right now in California. I know if you look at the numbers, that's the middle class people. There are, you know, and everybody's hurting. Everybody who goes to this, the fills up. I can only get 19 gallons down my truck, right? I can't even fill up my truck anymore. I don't. I get a little over half, and I don't. Luckily, I don't commute. But what if I commuted? I wouldn't be able to go to. You know, that's just so much more money out of my pocket each month, and I just don't know how people are doing it. So, as much as I would love the relief for people. I still would like to keep the pain there so we can make a change in California and go the right way to fix California because the rest of the country looks at California to see what they can get away with. That is a great way a great way to put it. Uh, Ed Parco weighing in from Real Estate Jerky uh, here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And Ed, of course, uh, one of our more popular guest hosts as well. Ed, thanks for the call, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Ed Parco weighing in. Uh, great, great points, and uh, that's an interesting thought. Maybe it would be good. Maybe it would be good to keep experiencing the pain at the gas pump and some of the other pains we're experiencing in California so it's fresh in folks' minds when we come up to the November 2022 elections. I like that thought. We'll continue the conversation uh, in uh, five minutes. Going to talk about the Supreme Court hearing to uh, the the hearing for a Supreme Court nominee today in Washington. Coming up on the Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. The show you love with even more local news and more local reaction. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome to hour number two of the Mike Douglas Show here on this beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon in California's Central Valley. The temperatures rising a little bit. There's a nice, nice breeze blowing through the valley here and it's just one of those uh, those interesting days between uh, winter and and uh, spring, heading into summer in the not too distant future. Just a beautiful, beautiful place to be. One of those days where you get out and you enjoy walking, unless they're uh, they're shaking the uh, the nut trees and creating a lot of dust. In which case, you know, we have to face the allergy issue. But you know, there's always a downside uh, to the upsides. 
Uh, quick, I want to move to discussing what's happening in Washington, D.C. today. Of course, uh, the uh, state, uh, or rather the uh, U.S. Senate, is holding confirmation hearings for Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson being uh, nominated by President Joe Biden for the Supreme Court. She, uh, if approved, would take uh, Justice Stephen Breyer's spot as he's retiring. Before we get there, though, what's happening with Justice Clarence Thomas? This this is worrisome to me. Justice Thomas has been in the hospital with some kind of infection since Friday. And uh, that was not announced, apparently, until uh, yesterday. He's been at Sibley Memorial Hospital in Washington, D.C., with flu-like symptoms. Uh, No explanation as to why the court waited two days to tell us about it, because the Supreme Court is meeting this week uh, to hear four cases. And uh, I... Apparently, there's no additional details about this infection other than Justice Thomas is being treated with antibiotics and his symptoms his symptoms are starting to, to lessen. Uh, they expect he could be released in the next couple of days. I am not a conspiracy theorist, as you know. I like to operate on facts, and I don't like to jump on things that are not factual. But the lack of information sometimes causes us to ask questions. And I have a lot of questions about why he's been in the hospital with an infection since Friday. Being treated with antibiotics may be released later this week. What uh, what are we talking about here? I uh, someone just mess- messaged me and and said maybe the uh, conservative Supreme Supreme Court justices need to have their food tested uh, with a twenty four hour guard. <laughs> uh, I'm just uh, I don't know. I'm concerned when there are lack of details. I guess that's that's my point. I'm not going into uh, not going into any theories here, but I'm I'm just concerned about always concerned about what we don't know, what uh, the government is not telling us. So we uh, pray for the best for uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, as apparently he's in the hospital bad enough of an infection to go to the hospital to receive heavy duty antibiotics, apparently, and hasn't been released yet. Been there since Friday. It's concerning. This is a Supreme Court justice. You have any thoughts about that? 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. While you're thinking about that, let's talk about what's happening in, uh, in the United States Capitol today. And this is a hearing, again, for Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. She's been nominated by President Biden for the Supreme Court uh, to take the place of retiring Justice Stephen Breyer. Eh, a couple of interesting uh, things about her. As uh, By the way, as, as you are probably aware, if you've been following this, uh, Justice uh, Jackson 
has, uh, let's see, where she, she's been um, eight and a half years on the United States District Court for the District of Columbia and was confirmed to the uh, U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit in 2021, last year. And uh, so the, uh, the hearings are taking place, and of course we, we go back and we think about the zoo that was created during the hearings for people like uh, Amy Comey Barrett and uh, Justice Kavanaugh. And so uh, I, it was very interesting to see that uh, Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, made some statements relevant to all of that. And, and he's, uh, he's basically saying we're not going to have any of that Tommy rot. That that's that's my my term, my theological term. No, none of that Tommy rot uh, on his shift this time. Here's uh, Senator Ted Cruz. This will not be a political circus. This will not be the kind of character smear that sadly our Democratic colleagues have gotten very good at. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I think that these hearings for Supreme Court justices ought to have the same dignity uh, as the office itself. And uh, we did not see that uh, either in the Barrett or, or Kavanaugh hearings as well. Uh, disgraceful behavior has uh, been a term used by uh, Senator Cruz to talk about what has happened at some of these Hearings for the more conservative type of justices. Here's another comment from Senator Ted Cruz regarding this particular hearing for Justice Jackson. No one is going to inquire into your teenage dating habits. No one is going to ask you with mock severity, do you like beer? Yeah, some of the... Uh, did, you, did, did you watch some of those hearings for Barrett and Kavanaugh? They were disgusting. They were disgusting. The purpose of those hearings is to examine whether this individual has the knowledge, the expertise, uh, the experience, uh, the commitment to defending the Constitution and interpreting the law. But you see, I, I believe there are a lot of legislators in, uh, in Washington, D.C., who wish that the Supreme Court would make law. In fact, they've made it very easy for the Supreme Court justices to make law. No, their, their job is to interpret the law, not to make the law. The, the job of the legislature, the House and Senate, their job is to make law. The justices are not there to do that. And I think a lot of times, instead of, instead of standing up and taking maybe the political hit for laws that they maybe feel unsure about passing that uh, that they throw it to the Supreme Court and hope the Supreme Court will deal with it. Uh, I think that's a cop-out. Let's understand the... It, and it comes back to understanding the role of uh, the executive branch, the judicial branch, and the legislative branch. I don't know. Do they teach that anymore? Do they teach that anymore? It's a couple of things that are interesting about uh, Judge Kentanji Brown-Jackson. These come from Shannon Bream at Fox News. Uh, uh, Judge Jackson was born in Washington, D.C., raised in Miami. And uh, her father 
I believe, uh, turned out to uh, be a lawyer as well, if I uh, if I remember uh, correctly. Yeah, he was uh, the chief attorney for the Miami-Dade School Board. She says, some of my earliest memories are of her father sitting at the kitchen table reading his law books. I watched him study. He became my first professional role model, she said. Uh, if confirmed, uh, Judge Jackson is a Harvard undergrad and Harvard Law School grad. Uh, Several others of those on the Supreme Court as well, including Chief Justice John Roberts, Justices Elena Kagan, Neil Gorsuch, and uh, so did former Justices Kennedy, Scalia, and Ginsburg. And, of course, uh, well, Stephen Breyer himself, who she would be replacing if she's uh, approved, he also went to Harvard. Harvard! A lot of influence there in the Supreme Court. She has a younger brother named uh, Kitaj, and he served as a Baltimore police officer and then in the U.S. Army, serving in Iraq. He, too, is a lawyer. Uh, She was a champion debater in high school. I don't doubt that at all. That makes good for a good attorney and a good judge as well. Now, here's an interesting fact. At Harvard, as an undergrad, uh, Judge Jackson took drama classes, and was in, uh, in an improvisational group called On Thin Ice. And uh, she once worked with a then-unknown actor to be by the name of Matt Damon. How about that? Uh, she also clerked, as many of you know, for retiring Justice Stephen Breyer in the uh, 1999-2000 uh, term. Uh, Breyer, of course, very, uh, very high very complimentary about Judge Jackson. Uh, She would, of course, uh, serve alongside Clarence Thomas as the second black American on the Supreme Court. And here's an interesting but somewhat bothersome quote uh, from her. When working for Breyer, and this was over 20, uh, 20 years ago, I think, she and other law clerks had a lunch with Clarence Thomas, Justice Thomas. And she later told authors of a 2007 biography of Thomas called Supreme Discomfort. She uh, told those authors what she was thinking about at the time about conservative justice Clarence Thomas. Quote, she said, I don't understand you. You sound like my parents. You sound like the people I grew up with. But the lessons he tended to draw from the experiences of the segregated South seem to be different than those of everybody I know. Hmm, interesting. And let's see, um, in 2016, when she was a district court judge, President Obama made her a finalist for the Supreme Court. Uh, That was that vacancy created by uh, the death of Justice Antonin Scalia, uh, but uh, she was interviewed by uh, uh, by Obama in person, but the nomination went to Judge Merrick Garland. Of course, he he was uh, he was not approved. Uh, so, uh, your your thoughts about Judge Jackson? Before we do that, let's uh, hear from her uh, on a couple of subjects. Again, this is uh, Judge Katanji. Uh, Brown Jackson uh, being uh, interviewed today. This is day one of four uh, by the Senate uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. Let's uh, let's hear a couple of comments from her. Your careful attention to my nomination 
demonstrates your dedication to the crucial role that the Senate plays in this constitutional process, and I thank you. Now, if we think about Judge Jackson, I, I think politically, in terms of worldview, in terms of her approach to the Constitution, I think we'll probably get uh, a flavor that is exactly like uh, Judge uh, or Justice Stephen Breyer. Uh, let's listen to what she has to say there. And I know that I could never fill his shoes, but if confirmed, I would hope to carry on his spirit. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll get basically uh, another Justice Stephen Breyer. And uh, now here's a commitment that she made to the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee. I will work productively to support and defend the Constitution. Of course, a lot of these uh, judges claim that they will be neutral until they actually get into office. I evaluate the, the facts and I interpret and apply the law to the facts of the case before me without fear or favor consistent with my judicial oath. So what do you think from what you've read, from what you've heard about uh, this, uh, this judge? What do you think? Is she a good nomination? Uh, Supreme Court nominee, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson, what's your opinion? A good move by President Biden? 209-551-3483. What are your thoughts about this judicial nominee to the Supreme Court of the United States? 209-551-3483. We'll continue the discussion in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Father, preacher, friend. It's the conversation you've missed. The Mike Douglas Show, weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show as we talk about uh, the hearings going on that began today, four days of hearings beginning today by the Senate Judiciary Committee uh, interviewing President Biden's nominee to the Supreme Court of the United States to replace retiring judge uh, Stephen Breyer, her name is Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. And uh, the question is, what do you think from what you've heard so far? Uh, what do you think about Judge ja uh, Jackson as uh, the new Supreme Court nominee? Should she be approved? Let's go to the phones, 209-551-3483. Let's find out what uh, Lee from Modesto thinks about that. Good afternoon, Lee. Hey, good afternoon, Mike. Yeah, third time caller. <laughs> Getting used to this. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, so the first thing uh, leading up to this, uh, you mentioned Clarice Thomas. I hadn't heard anything about that, um, but uh, I'd like to comment on that and then on to the uh, the hearings. So Clarence Thomas, yeah, when, when people think conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory, um, it's like, you should be thinking conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracies. <laughs> there is no reason to shy away from that in this day and age. If you do, uh, and I know you don't, but if people think about it and they, you know, 
people who aren't tuned in to what's really going on or people who are listening to uh, the far-left media and whatnot, they're going to think conspiracy theory no matter what. But, hey, I'm worried. <laughs> I don't know anything about it, but I'm worried because uh, he's a great guy and he's uh, we can't lose him and, and we don't want him to die. We don't want him to be poisoned or something of that nature. Okay, so that's that. Um, and, oh, yeah, and on that note, you know, I was listening to uh, – can I mention other – Radio shows that sure. I listen to today. <laughs> That's like, fine, sure. Okay. I was listening to Hannity today, and a caller called up, and I swear I would have said the exact same thing as this guy, which is about uh, Joe Biden and their gang, and how, you know, uh, Hannity is always saying how stupid Joe Biden is, how dumb his decision was to do this, how frail, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, really – the point is much of what he's doing that is perceived as dumb and stupid is conniving in my humble opinion. <laughs> so yeah, he is frail and he's old and he's not making that part up, but many of the decisions that seem incredibly stupid, not pumping and, and going to Venezuela and Iran and all this, just about everything that is done to, that will hurt our country uh, or hurt the conservative cause or whatever um yeah i i think again conspiracy i believe that they are corrupt to the core and they're doing it intentionally now uh on to the hearing <laughs> so uh as far as the republicans uh they are the most feckless bunch of people that i've <laughs> ever seen not all of them not all of them okay but uh I'd, I'd have to say the majority of them and i'm not sure sometimes i mean they're just so good at uh, sleight of hand and limited hangout and every other propaganda thing you can think of. And I wish during this hearing that they would start off and lead by saying something about uh, race baiting. Mm. Okay. Because mm. so much race baiting, so much race baiting, so sick of it. I have, I honestly, I do not have a racist bone in my body. Nothing. In fact, I grew up in, uh, I grew up in Hawaii I'm a fourth generation there. Wow. And I was, yeah, I was relentlessly, you know, beat up, uh, uh, you know, verbally abused, howly this, howly that, which means white person for those right. who don't know. And I grew up in that environment, and I can't stand racism. I, I can't stand racists. I mean, I, I understand they're human beings and they need to change, <laughs> but uh, the racist part just make, it disgusts me. But race baiting is right up there with racism. In my book, and I wish they'd call that out. I don't know if they will or not. I haven't watched any of it, but uh, yeah, I just had to, to vocalize that because yeah. it just is infuriating. That that's an interesting point, Lee. Uh, obviously, it's it's like talking about the elephant in the room, uh, ignoring it, and yeah. yet the issue is there. Lee, thanks for the call. Got to run. Appreciate that very much. And I think uh, to Lee's point. Uh, yeah, probably good right off the bat to say, let's, let's put that to rest that uh, we're not, that's not a factor. Can we put that to rest? And this is not about race. It's about qualifications, whether or not that will happen. Who knows? We'll see. All right. Coming up on the Mike Douglas show, uh, some good news I want to talk about in, uh, five minutes on power talk, 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. 
It's today's conversation for Stockton, Modesto, and beyond. beyond. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk, 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Great to have you with us on this fine Monday afternoon in uh, California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas here as your concierge for conversation as we take a look at many of the issues today that are facing us and affecting us right here in uh, California's Central Valley. Thank you so much for being part of the mix. And by the way, we want to welcome back our assistant producer and uh, the director of operations for Advancing Vibrant Communities, Brenda Lapome, back with us today. She has had the privilege of uh, visiting uh, family and grandbabies, grandkids uh, on the East Coast. Great to have her back, and I'm sure it was uh, when you leave family like that that you don't get to see all the time. It's always kind of a bittersweet thing, but uh, Brenda, welcome back. Great to have you back with us today. Well, speaking of uh, moms and such, uh, this this is a good thing going on. I want to bring this to your attention. Uh, this is down. This takes place down in uh, El Cajon, California, down in uh, Southern California. I have often really emphasized as the head of advancing vibrant communities how important it is in order for us to serve the community well to collaborate. We must collaborate. And I think, uh, well, how, many, how many years ago? It was quite a few years ago. Uh, I sat down with a staff member and I said, yeah, let, let's look at how many organizations or how many uh, agencies we work with in order to serve the community. Because my belief is that no one entity can do it all. We're all needed. And so we said, I thought, you know, maybe we'd have nine or 10, maybe 11 or 12 agencies that we could list. We went on and on. We, we got to 95 other agencies that Advancing Vibrant Communities uh, coordinates with and, and networks with to serve the community and find well, that's enough. We, we got the idea. So I am very, very um, much a proponent of this. And so here, here's an interesting story. I'd like to get your take on it as well from El Cajon. They have a challenge there with mothers who are homeless. And so one of the churches, one of the congregations down there said, how can we help out? Well, the the Congregation is the Meridian Baptist Church in El Cajon. And they collaborated with a local nonprofit there called Amicus. And Amicus has been working for five years to try to convince the city of El Cajon that they ought to find some way of building many cabins to house homeless mothers. And they finally got a permit for that in the city. And what was nice was that Meridian Baptist Church in El Cajon stepped up to the plate and said, well, we, we have some room in our property. Uh, let's, let's get going on this. And apparently uh, volunteers are building these uh, 12 by 12 foot structures. Now they have electricity, but no plumbing. And you say, now, wait a minute. <laughs> how, are, how are homeless mothers going to deal with their kids and such with no plumbing. Well, apparently 
the congregation is saying, you can use our church building's facilities. Apparently, they have sufficient f- uh, facilities, they think, to uh, uh, to accommodate uh, the mothers and their, their children in terms of, of plumbing. And then there's another nonprofit called Home Start that's going to help oversee the folks who are living uh, living in the cabins. We thought we had proper property and then we didn't have property. Um, trying to work with, you know, the city. It was just a lot going on. And there was times when we felt like it was never going to happen. Yeah, that's Lisa Krogan. She's uh, with that nonprofit group called Amicus. And again, they've been working for five years to try to make this uh, this happen. Other people are going to take a look at what we're doing. Maybe this can be done in other parts of, you know, the United States. And it's always uh, it, it's always inspiring to me when people take a step forward. We don't always have to solve the whole problem. We don't have to um, eat the elephant all in one bite. I don't know why I'm using elephants today. It's just those those metaphors keep appearing in in my head today. But it's uh, it it's just a matter of taking one step forward at a time. When we're trying to mentor and, and counsel people who need to get back on their feet, uh, many who are in uh, recovery programs and such, what we stress is it's one step forward at a time. And there are going to be times when you have to retreat. There are going to be failures. We're human. We all experience failures. And so that's all That's all part of the process. And uh, so the point is to be able to keep moving forward, keep moving forward. Don't give up. And even if, if you get a setback, move forward. And uh, I believe this is a, a prime example of this. This is just a, a wonderful example of uh, the community and the church working together. I love it. Now, you may say, well, all right, what about the particulars? I see all of the challenges. Well, here are some of the challenges that that I see, you know, very honestly. Uh, how long are the mothers allowed to stay there? How many children are they allowed to have? Anytime that you start something in motion, especially if it's a program, especially if it's a strategy, one of the things that we always have to think about is how do we disengage? How, how do we end this particular thing? How do these mothers, are, are they going to stay there forever? Is the, uh, is, is the answer no? Well, if the answer is no, then w- what are their particulars? So the, these are things that naturally you have to work out. In emergency services, anytime that you open a shelter, one of the first things that you need to consider as you're opening that shelter is, how do we shut it down? What's the exit plan? And that also fits into the military uh, strategies as well. What's the exit plan? When do we know we're done? When is the job finished? If the job is finished, how do we exit from the job? And and so all of these questions comes up come up. But the point is that I think they've done a, a wonderful job of uh, of of collaborating together to provide an answer. And it's a step forward. And obviously the city must have thought through some of this because they gave him a, gave them a permit to do it. So again, to summarize, here's the church 
and the community, uh, government, uh, a nonprofit, and a church, all working together to solve a problem. And that's, my friends, when things start to click, is when we're willing to collaborate together, and I'll add this to it, it especially takes flight when we don't worry about who gets the credit. I can't tell you how many times that uh, other folks, other agencies have taken a lot of credit for what Advancing Vibrant Communities volunteers have done in the background. And you know what? That's okay. Really, that's okay because the point is to serve the people in need, in our opinion. And if we don't worry about who gets the credit, uh, it's better for all involved. And uh, and so I, I applaud what's going on. So let me ask you a question here. Do you think this is a good solution? in El Cajon. Here's again, here's the problem. They have apparently a lot of mothers who are homeless and they need somewhere to have shelter with their children. And so the answer for uh, community members, for a nonprofit and for a, a church that's involved is to say, all right, we have room on our property here at the church. And if you can get the permits to build some mini cabins, we'll get the volunteers and we'll allow you to build those cabins on our property. What do you think? Good move? Good way to deal with it? Our number, 209-551-3483, And again, it it may prove that they're going to, there are, are always unintended consequences. No matter what you do to try to do good, there are always unintended consequences. And I can tell you from many decades of experience, there will always be people sitting on the sidelines to tell you why it won't work and to criticize you for the way you're doing it. Now, there is some value in listening to that. You don't have to agree but there is value in listening because I have found sometimes there are pearls of wisdom in that criticism where we learn things. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't considered that. That was an angle I, uh, I hadn't thought of. Uh, other time, and by the way, I don't extend that to social media. I have to be very honest with you. And, and those of you who, uh, who try to contact me, you're, you're not going to find me hanging out on social media. I'm just not there. And there are a lot of reasons for that. A, don't have the time. Uh, I'm, I'm working seven days a week, 12 to 16 hours a day. I don't say that to brag. I don't say that as a complaint. It's just what God has called me to do. I have lots of different hats I wear, and I'd rather be busy than not doing anything. And so God has me doing a lot. And uh, as long as I have the energy and the stamina to do that, I'm, I'm fine doing that. But the, the, the downside of that is I just, you know, the, the time is, unless people want to converse at like 3.30 in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, there's just unfortunately not a lot of time for me to connect. However, you do have my email. That is uh, the best way to hit me if you'd like to contact me between shows. It's mikeon1360 at gmail.com. Again, uh, because of time constraints, 
really can't engage in long-term conversations, but I love getting your comments and your observations, and I will reply at least to let you know that I appreciate the fact that you uh, emailed me. Again, the email here is mikeon1360 at gmail.com. Now, during the show, during the two hours, Monday through Friday, I want you to call because that's uh, that's the vibrancy of our of our show here that's what makes things energized so i don't really look at emails during the shows but if you want to contact me and maybe give me a comment between shows again you're welcome to do that mike on 1360 at gmail.com talking about a wonderful community church government partnership collaboration networking going on in el cajon like to see more of that to address an issue of moms who are homeless and finding some shelter for them on the property of a church there, 12 by 12 foot structures with electricity. They'll have to use the church building for plumbing, uh, but at least it's a step forward in trying to answer a community problem. I applaud them for that. What do you think? 209-551-3483. We'll continue the conversations on the Mike Douglas Show coming up in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Local Talk is back in the valley with KFIV's Mike Douglas. Weekdays at 3 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show as we round out our number two of our Monday afternoon time together here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And again, our our deep thanks to iHeartMedia for offering us the opportunity to expand to two hours. Uh, We are tremendously enjoying that extra time with you again Monday through Friday 3 to 5 p.m. here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, Did you hear about this uh, professor who's suing students that he is not sure who they are? (laughs) Chapman, uh, Chapman University professor got ticked off when he saw that his exams were posted on a website called Course Hero course as in taking a course c-o-u-r-s-e course hero and now he's suing uh the anonymous students who put his exams up there to find out who they are and uh so apparently uh students posted parts of his midterm and final course exams on the website that's not good that is not good but he doesn't know who the students are so he's suing uh, John Doe's for copyright infringement. His name, uh, the professor or assistant professor, is named David Berkovitz. And uh, he wants to compel the site Course Hero uh, to produce the names of the, ide- uh, the identities of who the students are or were that posted the exams online or parts of the exams online. And so the, his attorney... Berkowitz's attorney says, we had no choice. The only way to get a subpoena is to have a case hearing. Now, why do they want a subpoena? Well, that's because the uh, the website there, the site Course Hero is saying, uh, you want the names? We'll give you the information if you serve us with a subpoena. Well, so then uh, the assistant professor says, okay, we're going to form a lawsuit here. 
and uh, we are going to uh, we're going to request that you give us the names of the students through a subpoena. And so, first of all, this is this is bad news. This is cheating. This is cheating. And whoever the students were involved, uh, that's a lack of integrity, in my opinion. And whoever whoever operates this uh, this site, Course Hero, uh, having been through a lot of schooling, uh, from uh, AA degrees, associate in arts, to BAs, to masters, to doctoral work, uh, no. This is uh, this shows a lack of integrity for that site, in my opinion, and for the students who were involved. Uh, so he's saying, do you think that Coursera ought to give up the names? And do you think those students ought to be sued? 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. The other issue here is grading on a curve. I do not like Sam I am. I do. <laughs> I do not like grading on a curve as a student. Now, what I mean, there are very various ways of doing this. Basically, grading on the curve. It, it, if you look at it like a graph, it looks like uh, a bell, kind of like the Liberty Bell, okay, a bell shape. And so, the highest score would be, you know, for example, to the right of that bell. Uh, at the bottom, and then you go up, and as you crest the very top of the bell, as you're moving towards the the other end, that's where the majority of the students are, and then you come down to the other side and the end of the curve there, and that's where uh, the not-so-good students are. Well, the problem with all of that is that, it, in my opinion, it's not a just way of grading. As a student going through a lot of work I went through, you tell me what the rules are. Tell me where the bar is, the bar height. Tell me where the target is, and I will not only hit the target, but I will go the extra 100 miles, so to speak. I will give at least 110% and try to exceed. Uh, Not that I want to be an overachiever or anything. I'm just saying I will go beyond what's expected just because that's my nature. And I do that for myself as well as uh, to show the people that it can be done. And uh, I, I really, uh, I really don't think it's a a just thing to grade on the curve. Uh, So here's one way of doing it. For example, if, if you get an 88% and you have the highest score in the room, uh, your score becomes a hundred percent. You become the top scorer, you become the top grade and everyone else gets their grades adjusted to you. I don't think that's fair. Don't think it's just. And uh, that figures into this whole thing as well. Anyway, I uh, just bring that by you and and food for thought. Do you think that professor is right in suing students who he doesn't even know? Now, we'll talk about that in the future. I'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow at Three o'clock, three to five p.m. here on the Mike Douglas Show, Power Talk, thirteen sixty KFIV.